Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its, swell, with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Amen? We will not be moved. No fear here, and we will not be moved. Amen? God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Praise God for that. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Okay, you ready? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us right now. Amen. He's here today. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Father, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. Father, I thank you that you cast out all fear this morning. Father, wherever, um, wherever fear is trying to creep into our lives, Lord God, we just cast that out right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are our refuge and our strength, Lord God. Thank you that we can, we can count on you in the time of trouble, Lord God. You are there. You're with us. Father, you never leave us nor forsake us. You are, you are an ever-present help. We thank you for it, and we praise you, and we give you the glory and the honor this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we do adore you. We do thank you, Father, for your life, for your, your name that you have given us. Thank you, Father, that we are a part of your family because of that name. And Father, as we celebrate that name, the name of Jesus, this morning, Father, we give you glory and honor and praise because, Lord, you are worthy of it. We won't, we won't ever tire of worshiping you. Eternity will be full of your worship, your honor, because you are worthy. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, so what do you think? Isn't that awesome? Absolutely beautiful, amen. We're going to do it. We're going to receive the offering at the end, folks. Yeah, we're going to do all the ushers and all the announcements and everything at the end. When are we redecorating the pastor? I just heard the question. I match the stage, right? I, this is this is it right here. Fresh coat of paint. That's the best you're going to get. It's good to freshen things up every once in a while, right? It's good to, I, I have had a couple of people come and say, what happened to the uh, Lutheran church on the corner, you know, they, we, with the, the wood and the, uh, all that. But yeah, now we're contemporary. We're contemporary. We're, 
we're relevant now. Yeah, we're. So if you saw us on television, uh, the old stage, and you're going, wait a second, that's not where it is. I'm in the wrong church. No, you're in the right church. You know, it's, it's funny because how many of you ever lived in a house that's being redecorated? You ever lived in a house? Yeah. Yeah. This, this project here is like living in it while you're redecorating, you know, and, and I just, the setting up, the taking down, the moving, the shifting, the bringing it in, everything. It's funny because we, you know, on, on, uh, Friday or Saturday when we're cleaning, we're hauling everything over to the other building because nobody can see that, you know, so all the stuff is going over there. And then every Monday morning, George is trudging it all back over here and then we haul it back all over there. And he's like, everything's gone again, but, and, uh, but uh, thank you so much. This is just wonderful. It's good to... But it's not for the faint of heart, is it? Remodeling is, is kind of like uh, winter in Minnesota. You know, it's not for the faint at heart. You know, uh, I saw a lot of wimpy churches were canceling today. And, and uh, I'm just like, where's your faith, huh? Where's your faith? Come on, what's going on here? But uh, no, it's, you know... Praise God. Use wisdom. Always use wisdom. You know, that's, we have free choice still. Praise God. You know, so, so have, make good choices. And if you don't feel safe driving, don't, don't feel safe. If you're, you know, if you're full of the power and glory of God, come to church. So, that, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But it's not for the faint of heart. And I, I, I think I've shared this before, but for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, you'll like it. But if those who have heard it, just you know, give me a courtesy laugh. But I, uh, I saw a, a bumper sticker years ago that said, uh, we Minnesotans, it says, absolutely, we Minnesotans respect Mother Nature. Because every year she tries to kill us. And... Uh, and that is, that's exactly right. You, you know, you, you, the people who can't take it go south, you know, and that's going to be us someday, but not, uh, not for a while. But it's not for the faint of heart. And I was just talking to somebody this week about Christianity, the idea of, of the kingdom of God and the plan of God, the purpose of God and, and doing what, the, what God leads you to do. And, and it's not for the faint of heart. You kind of have to be tough. To be a Christian, you know anybody who says that being a Christian is for wimps uh, has no idea, because it's it's not just all sunshine and rainbows and and uh, fun. It's it's better than that. It's more than that. It's more powerful than that. It's wonderful. Praise God, because people are going to live their lives anyway. You know, people who are. Uh, Christians go through all kinds of struggles, go all go through all kinds of uh, pain, suffering, but so does everybody else. At least we have God. Yeah. At least we know God. You know, to to go through what we have to go through on a daily basis, to to live our lives uh, with with all the doubt, with all the uncertainty, with all the the opportunities to fear, with all the the stuff going on uh, without God. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I've, you know, if I ever saw like that, that old uncle, you know, that tells the same story over and over again. I had, I had an uncle Al. Ever tell you, as I've told this story too before, but I had, a, I had an uncle Al. I had an uncle Al who was, uh, he was born in the 1800s. He was, he was born in Poland and he, uh, he immigrated to America. He was an illegal immigrant 
by the way. He, uh, he came to, uh, uh, Nova Scotia. He took, he, they were on a boat to Nova Scotia. He walked, he, his dad and his brother walked from Nova Scotia to Minneapolis. That's how they got to this country. And, uh, but he was in World War II. He was in the Korean War, uh, served, you know, uh, all of those years. Uh, he was an old Navy, uh, salt. He was, he was, and he was full of stories, but it was the same stories every time you'd go to see him. And, uh, you know, I'd have to do the courtesy laugh and, you know, but, you know, he, the one that he just loved about me was that he found out I played football. Oh, and he was so excited that I played football. And he says, you know, he says, he goes, hey, we had a song back in our day about you guys. And I said, what's that? And he goes, yeah, he says, when the boy is big and his brain is small, send him off to college and he'll play football. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Uncle. Yeah, nice. But uh, I have no idea why I started telling that story. How did I get there? Faint of heart. When uh, do you ever get like Oh, if I ever start telling stories over and over. If I ever... If I ever lose track of what I'm talking about halfway through, I'm like the other uncles that you have, you know? But, uh, so... I was talking to somebody this week about walking with God, and I said, you know, this Christianity thing, because it's hard. There's all kinds of opportunity to doubt. There's all kinds of opportunity to, to, to submit yourself, and that's, this is the weird part about it, is to actually submit yourself to suffering. And now we're not talking sickness. We're not talking poverty. That's the curse. The curse, you know, the, the Jesus redeemed the curse. We don't, we don't ha- we're not living under the curse. I'm not talking about not having enough money. That's just the devil attacking. You know, that's just, that's just the, you know, the world system that we're having to deal with. And we have faith. We have overcome the world. So we're not talking about suffering in the way that a lot of people talk about suffering. I'm talking about the worst kind of suffering. The kind of suffering that Jesus asks us to do, to take up our cross daily and to suffer. What does that mean? Well, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Paul sounds like he's whining, but he's just stating facts. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. All right, let's just stop right there. We have this uh, treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What are the jars of clay? It's us. We are jars of clay. He's, He's likening us, our lives, to jars of clay. And if you've ever uh, been working with potted plants or your parents potted plants when you were a kid and dropped one, it doesn't take much to destroy a potted plant, a a clay jar, a a clay anything. They're very fragile. They're, they're, They're not the most important part of what the, uh, you know, what's, what's in them is more important. They're just, but they're very fragile. And Paul is saying that we have this treasure. What's the treasure? The treasure is the relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a treasure. I mean, it is a treasure because not everybody has it. Everybody is born without that treasure. And you're not, 
you're not, uh, it isn't your right to have the relationship with God. You know, well, we're Americans. We're all Christians. No, we're not. Not everybody's a Christian. Not everybody who's in a church is a Christian. Not everybody who goes to church is a Christian. Not everybody who goes to a church like this is a Christian. I, I learned that lesson really hard many years ago. There was a woman going to our church. I've told this story for her, but I'm going to go. I'll quit saying that now because every story I think I've ever told is I'm going to say it again at some point. But we were going to a church uh, over at Abundant Life, and this woman had been there for years, two or three years. She'd come every Sunday. She would worship. She'd stand in the back. She'd raise her hand. She would pray. You know, she would sing and she would worship. We went on a mission trip to Belarus. First time I was ever in Europe. We're in Europe and we start preaching the gospel, giving salvation messages. And about the third or fourth day, she pulls me off to the side and she goes, Pastor John, I have to ask you a question. She goes, well, when you're, when you're talking about being born again and being saved, she goes, you're, you're making it sound like not everybody is. And I said, right. Well, that, you're saying that not everybody goes to heaven. I said, yes. She goes, well, that's, that's, that's a cult. That's not true. And I said, well, can I, can I ask you what you think? And she goes, oh, absolutely. She goes, everybody goes to heaven. There's a lot of different ways. Buddhists go to heaven. Uh, you know, Hindus go to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. God loves everybody. He's not going to send anybody to hell. And I said, have you ever read the Bible? She goes, she goes, I just don't know where you're getting this. I was like, it comes from the Word. She had been there every Sunday. And I know, I mean, Pastor Kevin grew up Baptist. You don't grow up Baptist and not you know, sh- sh- share the gospel and give an opportunity for a, a, a decision. She had heard it week after week after week. And yet she didn't understand. That, so not everybody who goes to church is a Christian. It's, you have to have a relationship with him. The Bible, uh, Peter was asked one time by a guy, he says, what must I do to be saved? He says, confess the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Well, that, that's a very short thing, confess the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Uh, he exists. No. Paul says that, that's not enough. You just believe that he exists because even the demons believe he exists. You have to have a relationship. You have to believe that what he did on the cross, everything we sang this morning, that name, it's about the name of Jesus. It's about him. It's about, we, we've had a, a cross. We don't have a cross in the center there. It doesn't mean that the cross isn't, isn't important because we can put crosses on there. And it isn't the cross. It's a symbol of dying. And when we talk about suffering, that's what we're talking about, is dying. But we have to believe that what he did on that cross pays for my sin and for your sin. You have to believe that that what he did, and then you put your trust in it, because not everybody goes to heaven. Actually, Jesus said, wide is the gate. Wide is the path. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path. Narrow is the gate. Few enter in. Very few. Now, as growing up as a kid, I grew up in church. Every Sunday, every, every Wednesday night, Sunday nights, we, we went to church all the time as a kid. Because that's what you did. And then I would hear those verses, narrow is the gate. Why, you know, wide is the path to destroy. And I'm thinking, 
The only people I know are in this small town, small town, southern Minnesota, this little church. Wonder which ones aren't getting in. If you know, how narrow is this gate? Well, I didn't realize there's a whole world out there that doesn't believe in Jesus, you know, doesn't believe, doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Narrow is the gate. It, and then you think, well, wait a second. I had somebody tell me in college one time when I was witnessing to him in, uh, one of, after one of my classes, and he goes, you Christians are just so narrow-minded. You just think you're the only way. And I, the only answer I have is, well, what if we are? What if we are the only way? What if, not we, what if he is the only way? I was sitting talking to a, a, a number of People who were three that were Jewish, one that was a, 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 a Muslim. And they said, oh, we've always wanted to meet a, a born-again Christian. Can we ask you some questions? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And they said, well, you know, what about this? What about this? What if you're wrong? Blah, blah. And I said, okay, here's the deal. We all think every one of these religions, Jews, Muslims, and, and Christians, all believe there's only one way. Two of us are wrong. I'm willing to bet my life, my eternity, that we're right, that Christianity is right. I said, are you willing to bet your life, your eternity, that you're right? Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, that leads to eternity with Christ. Uh, just saw uh, um, a quote today, and, I, and I'm not going to remember who it was that said it, but he says, if you are... Uh, born twice and die once. Now I remember who it is. Bill Heeb. Anybody that knows Bill Heeb. If you're born twice and die once, you gain. If you're born once, only once, you will die twice. The second death. The second death is separation from God. Separation from Jesus Christ for eternity. Never a hope. This is the only hope. For some people, today may be the only hope. If you're watching on the on uh, internet, today this this moment may be the only chance you ever have to make a decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you think, well, wait a second, I, I got so much that I'd have to give up to do that. Trust me, nothing you have is worth. Holding on to at the expense of eternity. Nothing is worth that. Nothing. It's worth losing it all. Paul said that what we're carrying around is a treasure in these earthen bodies, these earthen vessels. We're so fragile. The human body is so fragile. I was just talking to a woman yesterday. I was doing a, a self-defense seminar, and she was talking about her daughter, who was a uh, is a gymnast, and she couldn't compete in the state tournament because she was doing a backflip and landed on the support beam right on her back, had a stress fracture, and she's done. She'll never compete again. And it's like it's amazing how fragile the human body is. You know, uh, I used to ride a motorcycle a lot, and I never wore a helmet. You know, you do what you want to do. I don't like helmets. I never did. Didn't want to wear them. Somebody said one time, aren't you afraid you might be riding your motorcycle, fall and die? And I said, I know a guy who was walking down his steps, carpeted steps, fell over backwards, hit the back of his head and died. Life is dangerous. 
but it's fragile. It's fra- life is so fragile. We don't have a guarantee of a next breath. Life is fragile. Why mess with it? Because this is the only one we get. The moment you put your trust in Christ, it doesn't mean everything gets better instantaneously. It just means eternity gets way better. You will still have troubles in this earth. But eternity will be with God. Eternity will be with Christ. Eternity will be in a place where He says, you won't cry anymore. Tears will be gone. No more sorrow. No more death. Death will be destroyed. That's what's important. What's important is eternity. This, and that's where Paul goes with this in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read back, start over again with verse 7, just because. But we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal bodies. What is that death that we carry around? It's, not a, it's actually not even a physical death. He's not talking about, you know, you're dying. You know, from the day you're born, you're dying. You know, you're headed towards the end. That's not what he's talking about. There is a different kind of death. It was the death that Jesus experienced well before even the cross. He talked ahead of time, I'm going and I'm going to do this. He had already made a choice to die well before Judas betrayed him. Well before the high priest sentenced him. Well before Pilate sentenced him. Well before the the guards beat him. Well before they nailed him. He had died well before that in his heart. He had decided that his will was not so important that he was going to put God's will in front of him, himself. And when you do that, when you decide, I'm going to do God's will instead of my will, you die. And I tell you, those of you who have done that, those who have said, I, I, don't, I, I want to do this, I want to be this, I want to experience this, I want to have this. But then you know that God is saying something different, and you say, okay, I'm going to do it your way, God. In many ways, it feels like you're dying. But if you don't die to yourself, the first time that you actually die is when you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need the life that you give. I I can't get there by myself. I I can't be good enough. I can't earn my way. I can't live in such a way. In any way, I don't have the power to do it. So I give up my will to do this my own way. I give up my plan and my purposes. And I choose you. Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross for me. Come in my life 
and be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. That Lord, that, that means he gets to be the boss. If he says, live in Minnesota, even in the winters, then that's what you got to do. I love the South. I love warm weather. I love sandals, flip-flops, shorts, t-shirts. I love it. Absolutely love it. I don't like shoveling snow. I don't mind blowing snow. That's kind of cool. But shoveling snow, especially that stuff for yesterday. That, you know, I don't know how one shovel full of snow, it's light, it's white and fluffy, can weigh 4,000 pounds. I don't know how that works. I like it. But one day, I was, we were in the service. I was sitting right over there. We were, in, we were in prayer. We had been praying for a number of hours. And I had my eyes closed. We, the whole room was silent. We had been, been praying, and all of a sudden, just, the whole room went silent. We were just in the presence of God. I mean, it was strong. The presence of God was there. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I had my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, in the, the darkness behind, you know, with my eyes closed, I see snow gently falling. And I had been thinking of a way to get to anywhere south. But I saw this snow falling. It's just beautiful. And it was actually, it was beautiful. And I, I, I sat there and I said, Lord, that's so beautiful. And he spoke to my heart and he said, get used to it. <laughs> okay. Every fall, it feels like I'm dying. <laughs> and I wish I could say it got easier every year. It gets worse every year. I don't know what that is. But it doesn't matter. Not my will, but His will. If I had left 12 years ago, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be doing this. God wouldn't be doing what He's doing for, through us. Through me, anyway. Not my will. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to befriend that person. Let's get just personal now. I don't want to be nice to that person. I don't want to talk nicely. I don't want to talk... I don't want to be around that person. Suck it up. I don't want to obey my husband. I don't want to love my wife. I don't want to forgive her. Suck it up. But it feels like dying. Yeah. It's going to feel like dying. Anybody who's ever had a child needing a diaper change at three in the morning, knows what it's like to die to yourself. Mothers are amazing. Wah! Is it a diaper change or are they hungry? They're hungry. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> but mothers die to themselves two o'clock in the morning. You can't just go, let's ignore him. <laughs> well, you can, but they, they haul you away with that kind of stuff, John. They just do, you know. Good parents. Let's just put it in that character. Good parents. Good parents. 
But you feel like you're dying to yourself. This morning, you wake up, you look out, there's three inches of snow on the road, on the driveway. That's what we had. We had three inches. Thick, heavy, crappy snow. And, I, you know, I've lived in places that had flat driveways and you could ignore it. You just drive over it and it's not too bad. Our driveway, if you don't get it now, you will have it all winter long. So, 6.30 this morning. <laughs> dying to myself. <laughs> That's not very spiritual, but it's just another extra. It's just part of it. It's a good practice to die to yourself. Do things. Do things that cause the fleshy man, the sinful man, to die. The more you do that, that's where, you know, I'm, now I'm going to just go to a word I fear to tread. That's where actually fasting comes in. Fasting doesn't bring you closer to God. Fasting doesn't, isn't a, a, a miraculous, uh, magical act where if you do it, all of a sudden God, oh, now God hears your prayers. No. Fasting is telling your natural man to shut up. You're not in control. You're not, you're not the bots. Die. And by doing that, it doesn't make God louder, it just makes your ears more attentive. Don't watch TV. That's what God told me. Quit watching television. This was a number of years ago. It felt like I was dying. I loved television. As a kid, it was the only escape I had. I loved watching television. I could watch stupid TV shows all day long. Reruns of the same stupid TV show I'd watched last week. And over and over. I mean, there's only so many. Leave it to Beavers and, and, and Ozzy and Harriet, yes. Gunsmoke, whoop, sorry. Sorry, Jim. Sorry, didn't mean to go there. You know, I'm not saying you don't watch television. Do whatever, you do whatever, you, whatever you can get past God is fine with me. He told me not to watch television, and every time I didn't turn on the television, it felt like I was dying. Well, that's just dumb. That's just that's that's just petty. Yeah. Well, okay. Quit whatever your whatever is your pet thing. Quit crocheting. I don't know. What do people do? What are, what is it? What do other people do for fun? What do you, what, what do you do for fun? No, don't say, John. Don't, don't, don't say. <laughs> Carrying around in us the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. Verse 10. Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. It might be witnessing. Witness to your, your uh, cubicle mate. I don't want to. I'm embarrassed. What, are they, what, if they, what if they think I'm nuts? What if they think I'm overbearing? What if they think you're one of those? 
What if they tell somebody else? Sorry, somebody, something just fell outside the door and everybody is. It's okay though, we're all right. It's just an icicle. Don't lose track, don't lose track. Here we go, back to it. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe so that we also speak. When we have faith, when we are led by God, there are times when we need to speak. Well, I just want to I just want to be a witness by my lifestyle. Well, yeah, be a witness with your lifestyle, but there's a time when you speak. There's a time when you say, "No, the truth is that Jesus died for your sins. And you can't get to heaven without him. God loves you. He does love you. He loves you even when you're a sinner. But he, the rule is, the way he set it up, you don't get into heaven until you have made him the Lord of your life. Until you've received what Jesus did on the cross for you. Well, that's narrow-minded. That's, you know, you're, just, you're, you're a cult. Well, call me whatever you want. The truth is the truth. There's a time when you speak. There's a time when you have to step out and let, and that's, and that feels like dying. It felt like I was dying the day when, the, when my friends, the guys that I've been hanging out for, with for five years, said, Get out of my house. Don't ever talk to me about Jesus again. I don't want to hear it ever again. The only friends I had, they were, they were my friends. But my life had changed. I couldn't help it. I had to be, I knew what the truth was. <clears throat> and I knew what would happen, not only to them if I didn't tell them, but what would happen to me if I didn't tell them. I don't need more guilt in my life. I don't need to feel bad. Not because I didn't, I was trying to get some kind of uh, notches in my belt or brownie points, but no, I don't want their blood on my hands. I don't need their blood on my hands. I want to be, I want my conscience to be clear. And when they do that, when, when you step out, it feels like you're dying the first few times. Then it just feels like you're a little wounded the first next 50 times. And pretty soon, you don't even feel it anymore. You just, you just be salt and light. And they respect you for it. I've had people come to me, heathens, and tell me, you know, I actually respect you for being honest with me. You know, saying what you really believe. Well, thank you. Why didn't you tell me that 10 years ago? Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As more and more people get saved, the more and more praise, the more and more honor God gets. When you lead somebody to the Lord, it's not just you praising God, now there's somebody else. And it grows and it grows. That's what this is about. It's about Him. It's all about you, Jesus. 
It isn't about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I want, who I want to be, or what, where, where I want to go, or how I want to do anything. It's about dying. He is king. He is Lord. And the Bible says he's a jealous God. Well, I didn't think jealousy was a good thing. No, it is, it is if you really are the supreme being. If you're really the supreme being like he is, he has every right to say, no, this is the way things are. Well, who does he think he is? He is God. Well, who made him God? Hello. He's God. He is the all-powerful God. When Moses even just saw a glimpse of his glory for even a moment, he couldn't stand it. He couldn't handle it. From that day forward, just because, I mean, for a moment, he saw the back of God walking away from just for a brief moment, for the rest of his life, he had to wear a veil over his face because he glowed. One one brief moment of seeing the King of Kings, the Lord. They, the Bible says that you cannot look on God and not die as a human being. He is that holy. He's that powerful. He's that amazing. Who in the world do human beings think they are to thumb their nose at Him and say, I don't need you. Verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You have no idea. You have literally no idea. I don't have any idea. You don't have any idea. Collectively, all of us here today, if we put all of our, our mental power together, we have no stinking idea how awesome kingdom of God, the eternity of God is going to be. It says right here, this momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Do you know why this we have to go through this suffering right now? Because when you get there, you cannot be selfish. It will kill you again. It would destroy you if there's self in you. If there's if there's like I did this myself. I got in here all by myself. It's an eternal weight of glory. We have no idea what that really means. I'm looking forward to it, though. And then verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This life will end. One way or another. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. We will all die. And we will all stand before God. But if you're born again, that judgment is not about do you get in or do you get out. That decision's made here. That decision's made on this, this earth, this life. That judgment then will be what did you do with what I told you to do? 
Where did you go? Did you do what I said? Did you lead me? Did you follow? Did you, did you lead others to, 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 to Christ? Did you, did you? It'll be a judgment. And he already knows the answer. It's just going to be a rewarding for what you did. Which is really interesting because you get all these crowns for all these things you do. And then the Bible says we cast them all back to him. Why? Why do we get all those rewards and then we throw them all back to him? Because it's all about him. Nothing we do on this earth is us. Anything good. There was a song back in the 90s, 80s. If anything good happens here tonight, it's because of Jesus. If anything good happens tonight, today, this week, it's because of Jesus. Glory to Him. Glory to God. Because I know what would happen if I was leading this thing. If I was in charge, <laughs> I have pictures of what it was like when I was in charge. Not pretty. It's about Him. It's about allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Close your eyes real quick, please. No hands raised. No. I'm going to ask you if you want to make a decision for Christ. You can do it right now. You can do it right here. The way that works is you repent of your sin. Father, I'm so sorry for, for being me. So sorry for my sin. Forgive me, Father, for the sins that I have committed. Then, second step is receiving what he did on the cross. Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I accept that. I, don't, I, can't, I can't make myself better. I can't be better. I can't atone for my own. I receive what Jesus did on the cross. And then the third thing, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You get to be the boss. You get to be in charge. Help me. Give me the, the ability. So then the fourth step is, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with the power to live this life. Because I can't even do that right. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. It's that easy. It's that hard because the hard part is getting to the point where you'll let yourself die. The next step, the next step after what we just did is be baptized. Be baptized. Now, we, we, we have gotten rid of the baptismal pool. Don't worry, another one's coming. We got it. We're sorting it out. We'll have, a, we'll have one soon. It'll actually be easier to fill in just a few hours and do a baptism. Because that's our desire. When somebody gets born again, be baptized. What do you mean, be baptized? We're going to dunk you underwater in the name of Jesus. Well, why in the world would you do that? Because Jesus told us to. Well, that's just dumb. I don't care. Won't be the first, it won't be the last dumb thing you do. Staying in Minnesota is pretty dumb. But if that's what he tells you to do, that's what you're going to do. It's about laying down your life. It's about dying to yourself. Be baptized. Really. A guy was needing healing one time. He had, he had uh, leprosy all over his body. 
the prophet said, go over to the river and dip yourself seven times. And he goes, that's a dirty river. I, I, we got clean rivers back in my home country. And his, at least his, his servant had the wisdom to say, you know, what do you got to lose? Oh, all right. He dips himself seven times, comes up the seventh time clean. All the skin replaced. I mean, leprosy. Stuff falls off. It was all back. Miracle. Why? Because he humbled himself and he did what the word of the Lord was. You do what the word of the Lord says and he's going to, you're, it's amazing. It's not easy. There's a, because you know, we have an enemy who's trying to kill you, destroy you. Don't let him. Don't give in to him. The way you don't give in to him is you die. Oh, I give up. Jesus, it's you. You're in charge. Amen? Last thing I'd ask you to do, if you ask, if you, whether you're on watching by internet, TV, whether you're here this morning, if you prayed that for the very first time, I want you to tell somebody. I want you to tell somebody. I want you to tell the person you came with. I want you to tell your neighbor. Give us a call. Call the church number. The magically, the number just appeared right here. It's amazing how that works. Right here. I just made the number. Woo, there it goes, right there. Call that number right there. Talk to Greg. He'll probably answer the phone or whoever answers, tell him, hey, I was just watching, uh, watching you on the internet and I just got saved. I called the magical number that appeared. Telling you, tell somebody. Because when you tell somebody, the Bible says that you need to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. I just got born again. I just, I just made Jesus the Lord of my life. And you're going to feel weird doing it because you're like, well, what if, you know, what if they think I'm weird? We won't think you're weird. I, I guarantee it. We'll, we'll celebrate with you. It'll be awesome. But it's good to say it. It's good to, to proclaim it. And then keep proclaiming it. Keep saying it. Tell, it. tell your coworkers. Tell your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your husband. Tell your kids. Tell, tell your parents. Tell somebody. You know what I just did the other day? I just got born again. Brings power.